It's midday, and we have a program called Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and you are just lucky enough to have stumbled onto it for this Tuesday. And welcome. I'm Dirk Christensen, and we have for you now what we call the round table, which is anything but round, but by the time we're done with you, you will have a well-rounded view of all the information that you've got in front of you. You're laughing. I am. Yeah. See, I just... I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I, I'm just one lead into the next. Well, we want our listeners to be well-rounded and informed. Yes, we do. So they can roll with the news. <laughs> roll with the punches. Plenty oh of punches to deal with. Must be the weather. With the first of them, which I think is a right cross. Oh, yeah. Is uh, a jab. Susan Littlefield today. Coming up, and good morning, by the way. Coming up at 1219, Dewey's going to be focusing on Water Street Solutions, what's going on in the marketplace. At 1245, we're going to be talking chickenology. Chickenology? Chickenology with the National Chicken Council. We're going to talk about some new research that's come out. Might surprise some. Others will be shaking their head in wonder. That's coming up at 1245. And at 117, we're going to be speaking on Beef Symposium. Shaley will have Carla Jenkins coming up. Also in the news at 1213, pork production causes a drop in prices. Beef in China and possible tornado coming Mm. down in the Albion area. We've uh, got some video I just posted to the KRVN Facebook page. Of some damage to one farmer's operation. Yeah, one of our, our Friday in the field. Our Fridays right? in the field. The the tornado did some damage to his home with some trees. Um, Dave Warner, and then it went less than a quarter mile to the next farm, and did some tremendous damage. Took out uh, three grain bins. One of them was full, and did some damage to some quonsets in a hog building. Well, we wanted Fridays in the field to give us the full uh, idea of what yeah. agriculture for a season is like. I guess we've found out, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. All right. It is uh, Jason Jorgensen over here pummeling the body with jabs. I'll try. Or an uppercut. I'm leaving the uppercut for Bob. Okay. All right. Well, the Huskers hope to land a couple punches against Wisconsin on Saturday night. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we'll see. They are big underdogs, 12-point underdogs at home. Get the thoughts of offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf about that. Wisconsin's had Nebraska's number. Since the Huskers have joined the Big Ten, they've beaten the Badgers just one time and lost four in a row. So the, the trends would say yes, Wisconsin should win on Saturday night. But Mike Riley's uh, coaching career, he's made a habit of jumping up and Biting someone when he was not expected to be. Well, this team seemed like it found a little something. L- a, a little bit. Enough to beat the Badgers. Uh, we will find out this weekend. Also, big volleyball match tonight at Carney. A pair of top ten teams will square off as the Lopers take on Regis University, one of their old RMAC uh, rivals from back in the day. We'll touch on that. And if baseball is your thing, the postseason gets started tonight uh, yes. as the Yankees take on Minnesota. It is, after all, October. Yes, and does hopefully it, they get it wrapped up by Thanksgiving. It, <laughs> used to be the October Classic. No more. Nope. No more. All right, Bob Brogan, give us the knockout punch. Susan brought up chickenology. Yeah. I believe that was the word. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bring up the word businessology. Oh. So we're, we're looking at some businessology here. Stocks are inching higher in midday trading on Wall Street in another mostly quiet day of trading. Other things going on, strong monthly sales for GE, Ford, and Nissan, also Toyota, and a testimony on the Equifax um, breach that's going on before Congress. All coming up today on Midday. 
All right, weather time. Ag weather with Paul Perkins brought to you by Coolman Repair. Now, how cool are we going to get? Is that frost actually going to keep be coming in there? It looks like northwest to north central Nebraska looking at uh, the potential for some freezing conditions mm. for tonight. Uh, they do have a freeze watch. It did get, though, into the low 30s this morning in much of the panhandle. Uh, quite a few locations hitting 32 last night wow. in the Nebraska panhandle. It's all coming, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is October after all. So, a <laughs> little bit of light rain this morning right along I 80 between Lincoln and Omaha. Otherwise, big swing in those temperatures once again, about a 30 to 40 degree swing almost in the temperature. We're at 80 in Manhattan over eastern Kansas, and we're still into the mid to upper 40s on into the Nebraska Panhandle, and they're actually enjoying some sunshine in the Panhandle, just a lot of cooler air moving in. Still some stubborn clouds, especially from south of Norfolk to around the Kearney area down to around the McCook area. Actually, probably some patchy clouds as you head towards McCook on up to around Lexington, Broken Bow, and Albion on up to the north-central part of Nebraska, but those cloud cover uh, very stagnant across eastern Nebraska and south-central Nebraska on into northern Kansas. But we will see this cold front continuing to slide towards the southeast on into eastern Kansas today. Most of us will be dry today for ex- the exception of some areas closer to that front, especially if you're along and south of the line from York to Osborne in Kansas. Or, there's that uh, clearing right now underway in west and central Nebraska and northwest Kansas. So some partly to mostly cloudy skies, the better chance of seeing some sunshine today the farther west you go. Rain expected to lift back to the north tonight with that front in the overnight hours, but it looks like our best chances for rain overnight going to be to the south of I-80 on into northern Kansas. And it was to the south of I-80 last night into northern Kansas we saw some very heavy rains, nearly five inches of rain towards the Phillipsburg area in north-central Kansas and to the north of Franklin, they had over four and a half inches of rain. Now that front We'll be farther north tomorrow, so we're going to see those clouds back in the picture and mainly for rain across the region. This cutoff area of low pressure, that's been sending the impulses of energy our way over the last few days to give us these likely chances of showers and thunderstorms. This low will finally slowly begin to move to the east tomorrow night into Friday for a likely chance of some rain. The forecast finally dries out behind that low over the weekend. A cold front on Saturday could bring some rain chances, but right now it's fairly uncertain on that. In the long-term forecast, the temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas are predicted to start cooler than normal early next week. Then we'll warm back to more seasonal levels the middle of next week through October 16th. There is a good likelihood that there will be below normal rainfall for both Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through October 16th. So next week we could be actually looking at the opposite of what we're getting this week. Weather factors affecting the market traders' decisions today include harvest-disrupting rain, in the western Midwest, and a more variable rain forecast in Brazil. The snow will end later today in Montana, but heavy rain will develop or persist from southern sections of the Rockies and Plains northeast into the Great Lakes. That rain disrupting the harvest efforts right now in the western and northern Midwest, especially as you head towards right here in Nebraska, South Dakota, and Minnesota, and those disruptions could be more widespread. The snow and wind in Montana, that increased the stress to the livestock there, and the wet conditions have slowed their harvest progress, especially after they already had a very dry summer. There are no harvest concerns in the eastern Midwest, where it is drier at this point. Much of the Midwest will continue to avoid the risk of a significant season-ending freeze for the, the time being. In the southern plains, there are some wheat planting delays from the recent rains, but overall the moisture there has been helpful in the way of boosting the soil moisture levels for the newly planted wheat. 
After some weekend rain in central Brazil improved the soil moisture for soybean planting, lighter amounts are expected for today. That's going to help out with the field work. That drier pattern, though, in central Brazil may need to be watched for a longer span of drier conditions. And eastern Australia received some beneficial rain over the last weekend and yesterday. That rain may offer some more favorable conditions than before for filling out the wheat. Ag weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. And, Paul, I saw also some very, very strong rain reports again, up to four inches plus. Yeah, night. four and a half inches in portions of south-central Nebraska. Uh, the biggest I've seen so far is right near the Phillipsburg area, nearly five inches of rain last night. And, you know, if we continue to see these rains over the area, uh, flash flooding will continue to be a concern like we have been seeing some of those concerns here. All right. Also, we'll be checking up on some of that possible damage reporting uh, up from last night uh, in the Albion area, and we'll have that for you as we go along through the day as well. Yeah, some uh, pictures of that pretty bad of the farmstead getting hit pretty hard there towards Albion. All right. When you need weather, krbn.com. <laughs> Hey, good afternoon. As we take a look at the agricultural news, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. ConAgra is receiving the praise of Wall Street analysts impressed with its ability to post quarterly sales growth in its refrigerated and frozen brands. ConAgra has been working to turn around the healthy choice frozen dinners and other brands that were struggling, and the company has made progress. ConAgra has avoided the setbacks that have befallen their peers, according to notations from ConAgra, rapidly improving top-line trends. ConAgra CEO Sean Conley says, well, buying smaller, trendy brands, it's part of the strategy. Modernizing the iconic brands will have a bigger effect, and you can get tremendously high volatility on the products that you refresh brands compared to brands consumers have never heard of. A federal appeals court won't reconsider the plan to distribute $300 million in leftover federal lawsuit settlement money to groups that help American Indians. The money is left over from $680 million fund approved by the Obama administration in 2011 to settle claims by the Indian farmers who said that they were denied federal loans due to discrimination. Only about half of the expected claims materialized. The dispute over the leftover money is about whether it should go to individual farmers or to the groups. Two men who have Object to the court-approved plan, say that the court should consider new policy under the Trump administration. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has banned government settlement that provides the payments to third parties with no direct claims, but Justice Department attorneys say that it could mandate that going forward. The Ohio River was closed on Monday. That following the lock failures near Brookport, Illinois, the Waterways Council says more than 65 towboats were laden and backed up on harvest season grain and other commodities as a massive truck wreck along the interstate corridor. The closure of Lock 53 follows a failure at nearby Lock 52. The Waterways Council says the failures highlight the critical but aging lock and dam system in the U.S. inland waterways. In service since 1928, Locks 52 and 53 on the Ohio River are to be replaced by the Olmstead Lock and Dam, which was authorized back in 1988, but will not open until next year. Once it's finished, locks 52 and 53 will be removed. Locks 52 was reopened, though, late on Monday.
Authorities say several large barns have been heavily damaged in a fire at an egg-producing facility in north-central Indiana. It reports that crews of Wabash County responded late Monday to a fire at the high-grade egg producers near North Manchester. There was no reports of people being injured in the fire, which was visible from several miles away. The fire was brought under control early this morning. Four structures of the facility appear to be destroyed. Crews are monitoring the scene to ensure that the fire doesn't flare up again. That cause of that fire does remain under investigation. As we look at the authorities in the New Zealand have identified one new property as positive for the bacterial cattle disease that's taking the total number of farms to seven. The newly identified property is a farm run by a Van Leeuwen Dairy Group farm, the company which runs some of the other farms where this disease was detected at before. Well, that is a look at your agricultural news. Check out more at ruralradio.com. Listening to the Rural Radio Network. Making sure the farm is protected. That's what we'll talk about today with Lance Burdett, Account Manager, Water Street Solutions. Lance, how can we know if our operation is properly protected? Well, Dewey, I I bet there's uh, already certain things you're doing each day to protect the people uh, and the assets within your operation. You're ensuring that their safety procedures are being followed, uh, especially during a harvest time, because we all know how critical that is for farms. You're checking in with employees to ensure their well-being. You're making sure that equipment is well taken care of and used properly so it will last long and operate safely. Then on the business side, hopefully you're keeping your eye on the ball as far as the farm's numbers and making sure things are moving and progressing forward successfully. You're checking that your operation is hitting goals and targets that will help bring about more success. However, there's another important way to protect the farm, one that might not come to mind right away, at least in my experiences dealing with farmers. As a farm grows and changes, often equipment and assets and even entire entities or side businesses change as well. It can be tough to remember with everything else that's going on and and those things that most producers are most passionate about, it could be hard to remember that and I need to protect our operation from an insurance perspective, too. We're talking with Lance Burdett, Water Street Solutions. So what can happen if we don't keep up with those changes? Well, in terms of the way that you're protecting your operation with insurance, you might find that a piece of, piece of equipment that should be covered by your farm's insurance insurance is not. Unfortunately, this could happen when you need that protection to be there the most because something unexpected has happened. When our Water Street Ag Risk Advisors do a first-time review of a farm's insurance coverage, the majority of the time they find that an operation isn't covered the way that it really needs to be or that the farmer would prefer that it be. For example, equipment or other assets such as buildings and bins may be completely missing and therefore not covered. Or sometimes assets that the farm no longer owns are still listed on the policy. Either way, there can often be major gaps in the way the farm is covered by their current policy. Lance, what can we do about that? Well, Dewey, really, we strongly recommend and encourage regular reviews to help protect what needs to be protected most on the farm. Agents should be checking on this with their clients at a minimum of a couple times a year, even up to four times a year for very dynamic operations. Gaps can happen when the farm's insurance agent doesn't proactively stay on top of reviewing your operation with you. We all know that there can be a lot of risk associated in farming, 
you need to know that your farm insurance advisor has your back and is on top of making sure your family's business and personal assets are rightfully covered in a detailed and proactive way. It might seem like a lot of work to do to review the farm's insurance twice a year, but really it's just another way to ensure that you're protecting your family's legacy. So I want to ask the listeners a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how well do you believe your farm is currently protected? If you scored yourself below an 8, I'd ask you to then ask yourself, what do I need to do to make sure I get covered in the right way? You can get in touch with a Water Street Ag Risk Advisor to discuss having a thorough audit of your current farm insurance coverage. That could help reveal gaps or errors in how you're covered. If you want more information about this or any other topic, go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the Husker football team worked out yesterday for about an hour and a half, and offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf says Wisconsin's defense will be the best a Husker offense has faced to this point in the year. Yeah, they'll be the best easily. They are, are solid across the board personnel-wise, really good statistically. You know, I think they are the top two or three. Think about everything in our conference. A lot of the stuff top ten nationally, so they're really stout against the run. Scoring defense is real low. They don't be the best defense we've faced. And Wisconsin had eight sacks in their win last Saturday against Northwestern. Kickoff between the Huskers and Badgers is set for 7 Central time on Saturday night in Lincoln. The Chicago Bears are giving prized rookie quarterback Mitchell Trubisky a try. The second overall draft pick from North Carolina will start against the Vikings next Monday night after Mike Glennon struggled in the first four games of the year. It's a top 10 Division II volleyball matchup in Kearney tonight as ninth-ranked UNK hosts 10th-ranked Regis. The Lopers are coming off a loss on Saturday at Central Oklahoma, and head coach Rick Squires says they're looking for a way to get out of their midseason funk. We had opportunities. We had leads. Uh, a rotation would come along, and for whatever reason, we, we just didn't have somebody on the court who could rally the troops well enough to get us out of it and... and uh, that's just where we are as a team right now. And Regis is coached by Ogallala native Joel List, who's in his first year as head coach. He's a graduate of UNK and helped with the Loper program while in college. First serve tonight is set for six. Well, the postseason begins at Yankee Stadium tonight when the Twins take on New York in the AL wildcard game. Twins manager Paul Molitor says he still hasn't decided on the status of all-star third baseman Gil Sano. The slugger has been recovering from a stress fracture in his left shin and missed 38 games before returning to action on Friday, but he was replaced by a pinch hitter on Sunday after feeling some discomfort in his leg. And Pete Rose is out of the Fox Sports lineup. The network says David Ortiz and Keith Hernandez have been added to the Fox studio for postseason telecasts. The 76-year-old Rose was part of Fox postseason telecasts the last two years. And K-State marching band members were forced to stop playing the Wabash Cannonball before the Wildcats took on Baylor last Saturday because the pregame tradition had become the background music to an obscene chant. Kansas State Collegian reports that some student fans started chanting an expletive on Saturday and the initials of another KU rival, University of Kansas, during that song. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. A freeze watch is in effect for late tonight through tomorrow morning. 
Otherwise, the highs today, uh, thunderstorms likely in eastern Nebraska, highs generally in the 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Taxi company owners say people who drive for ride-hailing companies such as Uber and Lyft should be required to have the same background checks and physicals that taxi drivers must have in Lincoln. The city council is considering an ordinance that would eliminate city requirements for Uber and Lyft drivers but continue the requirements for traditional taxi drivers. Owners of local taxi companies spoke against the proposal and argued that local requirements are good for everyone who offers ride services to the public. City licensing requirements include a background check conducted by Lincoln Police, a test assuring drivers know the city, and a physical. The council won't take action on the proposed ordinance until October 16th. Governor Pete Ricketts says he doubts the closing of four beer stores on the state border will fix the alcohol-related problems on South Dakota's Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Ricketts commented at a news conference on Monday following the state's high court ruling on Friday that upheld a state commission's decision not to renew the state's licenses in the village of White Clay. On the reservation, there is still an alcoholism problem, and until that is addressed, you're not actually fixing any of the problems. So, for example, we know that the local communities uh, outside of Wycliffe have seen an increase in their liquor store sales. So I think that to address the root cause really has to be something that is done on the reservation, but uh, you know, the Supreme Court decision demonstrates that the liquor control had the, opportunity, had the, the ability to make that call. Ricketts says the state will continue to help White Clay. He noted Nebraska state government recently helped pay demolition costs for two abandoned buildings in White Clay. A man was arrested after troopers seized methamphetamine and marijuana from his vehicle along Interstate 80. The Nebraska State Patrol says the speeding sport utility vehicle was pulled over Monday morning in Seward County. A subsequent search of the SUV turned up 20 pounds of meth, four and a half pounds of pot. Court records don't show yet that he's been formally charged. Kansas Governor Sam Brownback went on an unpublicized eight-day trade mission to Israel in late August and early September. The schedule included a 90-minute meeting with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The trip came a month after President Donald Trump nominated Brownback to serve as U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom. Breaking stories, weather, and traffic when you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. A recent survey found that 76% of Americans still mistakenly believe that there are added hormones or steroids present in chicken meat. And 70% believe that most chickens raised for meat are raised in cages. Let's add to that. Further, nearly two-thirds, that's 62% of consumers surveyed, said chicken labels and packagings are confusing. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Tom Super is Senior Vice President of Communications with the National Chicken Council, and they are rolling out some industry-wide standards for broiler and chicken welfare, and to educate all of us. Definitely. Um, so the National Chicken Council is rolling out what we're calling the chicken guarantees, and what they are is a set of four simple things that hold true no matter what type of chicken people buy or where they buy it. So whether it's organic, whether it's conventional, whether it's free range, you name it, these four things always hold true. The chicken is always free of added hormones and steroids. It's the law. 
It was always raised cage-free. Farmers are always trained in animal welfare, and flocks are always monitored by licensed veterinarians. So those four things sort of serve as a benchmark for all chicken meat in the United States, and we're rolling them out as part of our chicken check-in initiative at the National Chicken Council. Let's talk about the first one that you guys are working on, and it's raised cage-free. Let's talk about those broilers and, and the growth that they have in amazing habitats for them. I mean, from the heat to the food, the water, I mean, it's, it's a perfect life. Yes, the, the majority of broiler chickens in the U.S. are raised in large, climate-controlled and ventilated barns where they're free to move about, interact with other chickens, and, of course, they have 24-hour access to food and, and fresh water. Uh, the, the houses now are very technologically savvy. Uh, everything from the, the feed and the water, the humidity levels, the ventilation, the heating, the air conditioning, it's all controlled by a computer. Uh, if, it, if the temperature drops even a half degree, the farmer will get a notification on his, uh, his or her iPhone, for example, that says, hey, you might want to check this out. So the, the growing conditions inside the house are really optimal to make a uh, healthy and comfortable environment for the chickens. On to the, the free of added hormones and steroids. I mean, we in agriculture know that you can't sell a bird with hormones and steroids in it, but the consumer has been misled and doesn't understand that process. That's right. Our recent consumer survey found that 76% of Americans mistakenly believe that chickens were given added hormones or steroids, and it's been illegal in the United States since it was banned by the FDA since the late 1950s. And for the licensed veterinarians, I think that's something that we don't think about, the need for veterinarians for poultry. Definitely. Every chicken company has a staff of licensed veterinarians, where they, um, where they monitor every single flock and every poultry complex across the United States, and they provide detailed health plans for the chickens to do what's best for them, to make them grow healthy, and to be there on hand uh, just in case that uh, a flock might become uh, sick. And for those that raise the birds, I mean, they've got a, a definite passion for taking care of these animals, but they've also understand they need to meet animal welfare standards, and they're going to treat the birds the best because the birds then will treat them good as well. Absolutely, and, and all the farms are audited by third parties, by our, by our customers, like restaurants and grocery stores. In addition, uh, at the processing plant, the USDA is present in uh, every facility and inspects every chicken. But you're right, more than that, uh, chicken farmers take pride in, in what they do. Farming isn't a nine-to-five job for them. It's, it's really a lifestyle, and the birds are their livelihood. So they want to do everything possible to keep the birds uh, as healthy as they can. So not only is it an ethical incentive to, uh, to raise the healthiest birds, it's also an economic one as well. Tom, what is the chicken check-in and what is it all about? So about two years ago, we launched the chicken check-in initiative. Um, you know, we realized that the burden of proof for the care of the chickens really falls squarely on us. And as an industry, we really needed to do a better job of, of telling our story about how that chicken gets from farm to fork. So that was really the, the origin of it. Um, and we have a, the hub is a website. It's www.chickencheck.in, or listeners can simply Google Chicken Check-In to find it. We have uh, videos, statements from farmers. We host a, a blog, uh, links to all of our social media sites. We're on Instagram where our farmers post pictures 
of their farms and the chickens. And so really it's kind of a hub of information for those people that have questions about the chicken that they eat, somewhere where they can go to provide uh, answers to some of those questions and, and the information that they're seeking. Kind of tell folks where they can go to get the information and get the questions answered that they have concerns about. Yeah, folks can visit www.chickencheck.in or they can simply Google Chicken Check-In, and that will bring you to our page. And we have links right there to our, our YouTube account, our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, uh, and others that folks can like us, follow us, and encourage them to do that. My conversation with Tom Super, Senior Vice President of Communications with the National Chicken Council. They said with the U.S. chicken consumption at an all-time high, the chicken guarantee will represent a set of consumer assurances on the raising of the birds. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Back on the Rural Radio Network as we get some discussion here about livestock futures trade from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yes, it will be uh, some positive uh, conversation today. Uh, Cattle, hogs, and feeders all higher. Some triple-digit gains uh, to mark uh, the way, too. Uh, Starting in the cattle... uh, we opened uh, off just a little bit and kind of traded around for quite some time. The cutouts came out, and they were sharply higher, and boom, away we went and uh, ended up with triple-digit gains in, uh, in the lead options of, uh, of the cattle. Feeders also uh, benefiting, too, uh, from that because of the uh, lower grain, and uh, so triple-digit gains there. Amazing one was the hogs. The uh, hogs all finishing higher, and the leader being the October contract, which actually touched limit there for a while, managed to uh, still close uh, uh, over two dollars higher. Um, so, uh, very strong day there. Cutouts higher there. Cash looks like it's uh, uh, a pretty good day, uh, stronger and. Uh, steady to hire. Let's just call it steady to hire. I haven't heard of anything uh, in the cattle as far as the trade is concerned, but uh, a very positive day as we get back uh, and stay very much in a trading range uh, with the cattle, but the uh, hogs do manage to uh, really put uh, uh, looks like some sort of a low in. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, call 800-328-0134. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Shaylee Peters joining you back here on the Rural Radio Network as I visit today with Carla Jenkins. She is a UNL cow-calf specialist. And Carla, wanted to talk to you about the upcoming Range Beef Cow Symposium happening in Cheyenne. What can you tell us with this? So the Range Beef Cow Symposium this year is the 25th one we've done. They're every other year since 1969, so um, 25th one, pretty big deal. We're having it at Little America, November 28th through 30th in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and this is always put on um, between Colorado State, University of Wyoming, University of Nebraska, and South Dakota State, and so this year is uh, University of Wyoming is hosting, and we're going to uh, change things up a little bit this year. We're going to have a little more interactive things, some demonstration things um, on the first two days, and that's going to include a meat cutting demonstration. And then on the third day, we're going to go out to um, the Laramie County Community College, 
and we're going to have some hands-on tutorials that they can walk through and they can either choose to do body condition scoring, frame scoring, artificial insemination, um, maybe some plant ID type things. Um, and then most of the program will be some of our um, traditional things that are important. We'll have some market outlook. We'll have some idea of what's going on legislatively speaking that might impact the beef industry that people need to be aware of and um, we'll have some talks on genetics and nutrition and the weather and and all those things and in addition there will be some fantastic vendor booths set up that people can walk through and talk to those companies about what products they have to offer so again um, it's going to be a one-stop shop there'll be a lot of opportunity to interact with other producers. We'll have the bullpen sessions in the evening again so that they can interact more one-on-one -on -one with the speakers of the day as well as other producers. Um, we'll have the producer panel that we normally have and um, just will be a good opportunity to get together and better the beef industry. And I know an effort was definitely being made for more hands-on approach. Talk to us about why you're doing that. We wanted to change it up a little bit. We feel like um, in this age of technology, it isn't as effective for us to get up and give a presentation when I can put that presentation on a YouTube channel and you can um, have producers eating supper at 10 o'clock at night and viewing that. And so it's, we just feel like times have changed since we started this in 1969 or obviously not all of us that are doing it now started it in 1969, but um, things have changed and a lot of more information is available at our fingertips every day. And so to have this program a little more meaningful to producers in today's technology, we wanted to do some of these hands-on things that they might not be able to access at just any point in time from the Internet. And finally, for the details, what exactly, where can people be registered for this? If they want more information, where can we send them? That information would be at www.rangebeefcow.com, and so it would be good to go ahead and get registered for the conference. That certainly helps us a lot on the meal count when we know in advance how many to plan on, and get those room reservations through um, cheyenne.lilamerica.com. Got a pretty good rate on room, so it would probably be good to go ahead and get those taken care of. Cow-Calf Specialist with UNL talking to us about the upcoming Range Beef Cow Symposium on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Corn finishes lower today, same thing for soybeans, and the wheat futures a little higher. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We've said it before, no I haven't, you have that wheat needs to be the leader. Looks like it was. Yeah, wheat's another day of performance here, and I think midday I was thinking uh, we'd maybe seen uh, uh, a rollover starting to occur, but things came back. Um, really kind of around an announcement this morning that the freight costs, I'm sure you've maybe mentioned this throughout your morning conversations with other analysts, that uh, freight costs out east had really gone up here the last couple of days as rivers uh, are dry out in the eastern part of the country, so they're having to load these freights with less product on it, and that's creating a little bit of a backlog and a basis fall. Uh, I think they said that that freight cost had fallen. It was like 400% higher than it was just a month ago. Now it's only 250% higher. So we're starting to see that seasonal roll down again, and I think we maybe work our way through that problem. We should see prices come back up. I'm, I'm not encouraging anybody to sell uh, here. I think 
you know, we could see easily a dime lower, but these are buying opportunities in my opinion. Well, we saw a, a sale of uh, wheat to Egypt from Russia. However, however, our wheat is now competitive, so maybe some export business could be found. It's going to be, and I think specifically Pacific Northwest. Uh, that's one reason why I think you've seen the, the spread between Kansas City and Chicago wide now here. Uh, we're six cents under Kansas City is cheaper uh, on December contracts. I expect that, that position to come in as well. So uh, if you're looking for a trading opportunity, you might look at buying the Kansas City versus the Chicago. Chicago has a very long uh, profile right now with, with a lot of spec longs in it. And I think uh, Kansas City's been beat up a little bit as Minneapolis has come off. So I look for that that spread to come back into vogue a little bit as we get into uh, uh, um, you know the, the delivery periods. But at this point, I think it's just about corn harvest and, and harvest and getting all of this stuff in order as far as transportation goes. Um, and unfortunately, you've got a. The, the confluence of old crop and new crop products right now that are just weighing on the trade. Um, basis looks to probably widen out on any rallies, so if you, if you can't find a place to move it, I would be comfortable locking in uh, you know, a comfortable basis for you and then looking to sell on the rallies, especially for JFM period. Maybe not right now, but I think you get down the curve here, uh, here basis is going to continue to be an issue here as we get closer to delivery. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. Corn finishes the day one and a half to two cents lower. On an up and down day, we end up lower in soybeans by one and a quarter to two cents. Kansas City wheat futures were two and a half higher. Chicago wheat one and three quarters to three and a quarter higher. Dewey Nelson reporting.